Um, I do want to go back to our objectives. Uh, we're really working in on um, on objectives kind of three through five, where we talked about the desire, the demand, the diligence, the discipline, the discipleship in our personal lives, and now the dominion for um, deliverance, that there is a, an aspect of you being delivered that not only do you keep yourself strong, but you can get other people strong too, right? And God's not done with it until you can help somebody with what he's helped you with, right? So salvation is not meant to be a, um, a selfish thing. You know, we can be selfish with our salvation sometimes. Lord, I just want to get mine. I love other people, Lord. I know you got to help them out, but can you just hook, can you just hook me up? And God really is bigger than that, right? He wants it to be where um, what he has done in your life, you can turn around and help somebody with their lives, right? And so that's what number three is. And once you get to that point where you are really walking in the deliverance God has for you and helping other people and really staying in that vein of letting his power flow to you to the point that it impacts others and then letting it flow through you um, to that point, then you are insulated because you are you are reminding and then remembering your testimony and then you're keeping yourself girded up and then you're helping other people gird up. Now, listen, if you're going after the enemy that's on other people's lives, you got to keep your stuff together, because if not, he's going to come check you like, listen, here, I'm coming for you because you're coming for me. And um, but don't worry, you were built for spiritual warfare. You, you were built for this. You know, some people um, get scared of the devil. Stop being scared of the devil. Stop that. All right. Ah, did you know what the devil said to me? He lying. How you know he lying? Because his lips are moving. All right. All right. You'll get that. OK. Um, so let's let's go back through the review that we did last week. Last week, we talked about how Jesus went into the wilderness. And um, after he was baptized, heard the voice from heaven saying, this is the son and whom I'm well pleased, right? So our seven points, our seven points, our seven keys on deliverance from temptation. This is just a review from last week, so just want to remind you of these points. Number one, we said understand part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to lead you into private battle before public ministry. That the Holy Spirit tries to get you to fix things privately before you, uh, so that you don't make a public mess of yourself. Praise the Lord. Thank God that he tries to keep me, you know, so I don't make a fool of myself before other people. So he just tries to get me to fix certain things in my life so that they won't hurt me later when he's trying to get me to help other people. Number two, the enemy will attack your identity in Christ. So we must deal with our self image. We must deal with the self image. If you be the son of God, then do this. Right. And so what he tries to do is to attack the very thing that God has done for you and in your life. Right. So 40 days earlier, Jesus had heard God say that he was the son of God. And so why did the enemy attack that? Because when the word comes, the enemy comes immediately to steal the word that has been sown in our lives. Number three, expect attacks in the areas of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the pride of life. Find that he's going to try to attack things 
in your body, in the things that you desire, that you see that you want, and then in the pride of your life. And so you should be expecting that he's going to hit you in some of these areas. All right. Number four, the enemy, expect the enemy will always work to get you to deviate towards destiny. Even if it's something that God has called you to, he'll always try to get you an alternative way to get it done. I ain't got to go through that. I would have had the Lord tell you to do it this way. Lord, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it this way. Still want the same outcome. I just wanted to do it the way I want to do it. And that's the voice of the enemy. Number five, you're going to have to win your battle with the word of God. You're not going to be able to win if you don't have yourself girded up in the word of God and the area that you're facing the conflict. Pastor, I don't know any scriptures. Okay, then that's the problem. Because you're not going to win. Right? And I just know any scriptures in general, but scriptures that you have dealt with that deal with the issue that you're facing. All right. And that you're going to have to just not know them, but spend enough time that you have meditated them. Remember what we talked about with meditation, where you say it over, see it coming to pass in your life and then praising God like it's already done. And so in the areas that you're facing, You'll need to spend time in the word. If you're facing a challenge on your job, what are your job scriptures? If you're facing a challenge challenge in your marriage, what are scriptures that you have concerning your marriage that you're standing on? If you're facing a challenge in your health, what are the health scriptures that you're standing on? You're going to have to have some word. All right. So don't look for somebody else to be able to do that for you. You're going to have to do that yourself. Number six says no deposit, no return. You need to fortify before the day of temptation to succeed during the temptation. So don't wait. Um, don't wait for somebody to jump on you to go out and start lifting weights. That makes sense. Yeah, that means I had to get prepared for the fight before the fight. That's all. All right. And the word is the way you do that. So I need to really be taking time. Now, if I'm in a fight. I can do it that way, too. It's just going to be a lot harder. It's going to take me a little bit longer. Because not only am I fighting, I'm fighting myself and the situation at the same time. All right. And then finally, number seven, the enemy you defeat in your own life, you can help others defeat in their lives. Now, once I have gotten my private victory, then I can do public ministry. And public ministry doesn't just mean you standing up here preaching like Pastor David. Public ministry is you taking your own testimony about what God has done for you, and then you helping people get some deliverance in the area that you've experienced. All right? So those, I said that Sunday morning, and then Sunday night we went and, and uh, ministered at a specific place, at a specific church, and and listen, I told him my testimony, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Pastor David, why you do that? Because I understand that real testimonies help real people. Sometimes people don't want to tell people what they've been through. Because as I said, who the son sets free is free indeed. And his blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And so we clean up so good that we don't even look like what we've been through. 
So you have to tell people, no, no, I know I know I look good right now. But let me tell you, I done been through some stuff. And because I've been through some stuff, I know that God can deliver you from some stuff because he delivered me from some stuff. Now, see, you got to be willing to get a real thing if you want people to get real help. What they going to think about me? They going to think whatever they want to think about you. Anyway, so you might as well put the real thing out there because you will overcome by your testimony and they will overcome by your testimony, too. Now you can help somebody. See, that's a real thing now. I'm, I'm tired of people. Um, one of the reasons why we don't have power to help people is because we're not giving them our real testimony. We don't want to. I don't want people to think I was that bad. You was. You was. OK, but see, somebody going to think that now there's going to be some, you know, people going to think what they want to think anyway. OK. But somebody's going to listen to that and say, well, man, if God could turn her stuff around, then he can turn mine around, too. That's the power of a real testimony. All right. My prophetic impression, would you share that? We said this. This was one that we had shared at the beginning of this um, of this series. But I want to really emphasize it today. It was part of my uh, prophetic impressions for 2019. And we said, God is calling you to receive Jesus's ministry of deliverance from hurts, from hindrances, from habits, and from strongholds, all right? He is looking for you to receive the power that comes through Jesus and to you get delivered yourself. Further, and this is the part that we want to deal with today, further, he is calling you to be his minister of deliverance. He isn't just trying to get you delivered. He's trying to get your life to have such an impact that you can be the instrument that he uses to help somebody else get delivered. All right. So let's look at that. We'll see that in the life of Jesus. OK. Uh, we're at Luke chapter 4, verse 14. We're going to read verses 14 and 15. Now, remember, this is on the other side of Jesus coming out of the wilderness, which is what we dealt with last week. So he's already been through his private battle, and now he's about to go out to do his public ministry. Luke 4, 14 and 15. And it says, then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out throughout through all the surrounding regions. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. All right. So just one key point there. Once he had gotten victory in his own life, he had the power of the spirit. Remember, at the beginning, we said the spirit led him into the wilderness last week. Because. In the middle of the battle, he took his spiritual authority. Now he came out with the power of the spirit. Now, let's look at Matthew chapter four. We're going to read verses 13 through 17. Matthew chapter four, verses 13 through 17. And it says, and leaving Nazareth, he, Jesus, came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea and the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, 
that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So one of the things that we we want you to understand, because our vision, again, is to raise up a light that brings transformation to our region is, is that the light that you walk in in your private battle can shine so bright that it begins to emanate outside of your life to the point that it affects the things around you. Yeah. Um, there's a light on the inside of you that Jesus wants to shine. Yeah, you. You. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that light can affect the region that you live in. Do you understand? He's really trying to get you to do something that impacts other people. Don't be satisfied with a salvation that only touches you. Ask God, Lord, how can the light that you've put in my life touch other people? How can I bring change? Because that's what it means when he says he wants you to be his minister of deliverance. He's saying the light on your life should be able to touch other people. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Now go down to verse 23 in Matthew 4. and We're going to read down to verse 25. And it said, and Jesus went about all Galilee. Now we'll see his three, three dimensional ministry teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. So he was preaching, teaching, and healing. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. All right. So we see this three-dimensional ministry, preaching, you know, that inspirational gospel. That's why there's nothing wrong with it. It's preaching. It's teaching that informational thing that tells people how to keep what he's given them. And then ministering deliverance where those enemies that he's gotten free off of his life, he's now able to get off of other people's lives. All right? So that's what we're believing for, to, to flow in our lives. Going back to Luke chapter 4, we're going to read verses 31 through 41. Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 41. We'll see Jesus actually deal with the area of deliverance um, in these verses here. It says, then he, Jesus, went to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now, in a synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? 
Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, what a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands unclean spirits and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's wife, Simon's house, excuse me, Simon's house. And this is Simon Peter. So this is Peter's house. But Simon's wife, Simon's wife's mother or Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a high fever and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever. And it left her and immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the son of God. And he rebuking them did not allow them to speak for they knew that he was the Christ. All right. So we see here Jesus having gotten victory privately in his own life, begin to publicly minister deliverance to others. And that's the image that we want to have. And remember what we said when we talked about um, this thing about image, that God wants us not to identify with the people that need Jesus, but to identify with Jesus and then to identify other people who have the needs. All right. So we're identifying with Jesus and then we identify the people who need us. Yeah. You know, somebody needs you. Right. I could have. You heard me. And listen, 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 listen. For those that went with me, I knew I was I was fighting demons when I was preaching last week. Do not get it twisted. I knew exactly what I was doing. I was fighting doctrines of devils. Listen. <laughs> Lady Nedra and I, um, we did some ministry and Brother Tony went with us last night. We went to another church and did some ministry. And um, previous pastor has been, has been passed on for some 13 years and his office is still empty. What the what? Um, don't y'all do that. Don't y'all make a memorial, a shrine out of my ministry. Don't do that. When I'm dead and gone, y'all better move on. What did I say? Y'all better move on. I'm gone. If I done done what the Lord wanted me to do, I am done. Don't, don't hold somebody hostage to do what I did. Child, please. It's taken me all my life to figure out what I'm going to do. Why do you try to hold somebody else to a standard for a person? They, they can't be somebody else. 
So I knew I was fighting those things. I, I couldn't. I knew that I had to deal with real issues. And I had to be the one that gets beyond all of the stuff that I'm facing to help people, because I knew that there was something in me. If I would just give them the real truth, that, that would bless them, too. And you have to know that, too, because the devil will try to tell you, you can't help nobody. Don't you know? Don't you know that, um, you know, they got this and that and the other. And they'll, he'll, he'll try to get you convinced that you can't help somebody because of all of the stuff that you're dealing with. I can't help nobody because don't you know I got this problem, I got that problem, I got this. No, child, please stop that. He wants you to understand that there that you have enough freedom in Christ that you can still right where you are help somebody else. Because for somebody else, if they had your left hand, they throw both of their hands away. Okay. I know you you see all your problems, you see all your issues. But I want you to to get above and beyond what you're dealing with and recognize even in the midst of your own growth issues, your own challenges that you can still right now help somebody else. You you can help somebody else. Somebody needs to know what you know. Somebody needs what you have. Somebody needs to experience what you experienced in Christ. All right. So I'm identifying not with the person that's sick and needing Jesus. I'm in, I'm identifying with Jesus reaching out to the sick person. All right. Eight principles on you being a minister of deliverance. And this is our list for today. Number one, a minister of deliverance must know his or her identity in Christ recognize their seat of authority, and be sensitive to the armor of God. You must know who you are in Christ. Now, Jesus just told the devil to come out of him. You don't do that. You tell him to come out in the name of Jesus. Because your ability to cast out devils comes from the fact that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We talked about that before, haven't we? All right. So you have authority, all right? So you got to know your identity in Christ so that you can operate in that authority, right? Then you, then you are sensitive that God gave you his armor. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. He didn't give you a second-rate set of tools, The armor that you have is the same armor that Jesus had. He gave you his armor. It is the armor of God. <laughs> so you have to know. Listen, when you're clothed in the full armor. The devil don't really know if it's you or if it's Jesus. Because you're wearing his weapons. See, that's that's what Saul, Saul wanted. Saul wanted Goliath to believe that David was him. So he put it on his he gave him his armor. So when he was dressed in armor, he would have said, hey, the king is coming out to fight me. Well, Jesus 
has given us his armor. David said, I can't use this because I haven't proved it. You can't use God's armor if you haven't proved it either. That's why you had to go fight your own battle so that you can win your own and then you can help somebody else. All right. Number two, a minister of deliverance must have a dynamic daily empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the scripture told us when we walked it through last week, Jesus was being baptized by John. The Holy Spirit came upon him. Heard the voice from heaven. The spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted when he was victorious. Then he came out in the power of the spirit. That's what we read today. And then began to do his ministry. You've got to have a dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, a dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit is spiritual, but it is not spooky. It doesn't mean that you herk a jerk in church. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. It's, it's really just talking about opening yourself up and being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and then following his directions. Now, listen. He's going to give you small steps before he gives you big ones. Because he wants you to get sensitive to listening and understanding his voice. So if he tells you, okay, you at the store, right? He, he's going to tell you to go minister in the Chinese restaurant before he tells you to go be a missionary to China. That makes sense. He's going to give you small steps so that you can get confident in his voice. And as you begin to make those small steps successful and say, no, God told me to do that, I did it and I was successful, then you'll get more confidence because he can't hold you accountable if he hasn't trained you to hear his voice. So when he's starting to tell you things and give you those directions, move in those so that you can get more confident with God, all right? Daily dynamic empowerment. Number three, a minister of deliverance must know the re, both the reality of and their authority over evil spirits. Some people don't think, you know, there's no such thing as a devil. Some people don't think there is. Okay, then um. If there was no such thing as a devil, then Jesus was shadow boxing because the Bible says he cast them out. Right. Um, there are people who know the reality of, but then some of those people don't acknowledge their authority over. Evil spirits. They've been watching too much Hollywood. And so they're waiting for the, you know, dun -dun. remember Jaws? Dun -dun -dun. Dun -dun 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 See the music. See, when they, when they get confronted with an evil spirit, then all of their Hollywood scary movies come out. Friday the 13th and Halloween and it and all, <laughs> all every scary movie they'd ever seen come out. 
the exorcist. And, and so all of a sudden, the devil starts to, in their mind, seem bigger than God because they've been watching movies, not following the ministry of the Holy Spirit. All right. So you're not going to be a minister of deliverance if you believe that these things are more powerful than you are. Remember, when Jesus was raised up, he was raised up far above every principality and power and dominion and name that is name. And then you are seated with him in heavenly places. So they are not above you. They do not have more authority than you do. You have more authority than them. But you got to speak and know that you got authority. Jesus forbid them to speak and commanded them to leave. And you can do the same in the name of Jesus. All right. Now, that's a maturity issue. That's a maturity in your relationship. So let me explain this maturity piece of it. Um, my daughter has my name. And once I die, she get a lot of good stuff. I ain't planning on going nowhere no time soon. She's going to have to wait a minute. All right. And so by virtue of having my name, there are certain rights and privileges. She, she got some hookups. So dad got some good stuff. All right. On the other hand, my wife also has my name. She don't have to wait till I die. She get to spend it all. She go to the bank. They give her everything I got. They will let her drain me dry. What's the difference? Both of them got my name. I'm in relationship with both of them. But there's a maturity to her relationship with me that my daughter doesn't have. All right. So. If you're just operating as a child of God. But not the bride of Christ. There's a certain maturity that you don't have. But if you operate as the as the bride, child, please, you can tell the devil in Jesus name and that thing move. Right. She don't walk up to the bank saying, will you all give me the money? Child, please <laughs> sign that name. Take it all. You, you understand what I mean? All right. So it's really important that you understand that as a minister of deliverance, that there is a reality of evil spirits, but there is an authority that you possess. Do not ever let the devil convince you that he can just take you out when he wants to. Because if he could take you out when he wants to, you'd already be taken out. Now, he'll tell you that, but he's lying. That's why the scripture says, and don't you give place to the devil. If he has a place, it's because you gave it up. All right. Because sometimes we get in our feelings 
And then we do stuff that gives place to the devil. I know they don't like me at work. And so then I go in there and go nutty one day and then they fire me. It wasn't just that they fired me. I gave place because I went off on them. So I have to watch and control what I do so that I stay in control. Does that make sense? All right. So we want to we, we acknowledge that, that evil spirits do exist. That's why we use the name of Jesus. That's why we plead the blood of Jesus. Right. That's why we speak our authority and command angels to encamp round about us. That's why we do all of those things. We pray. We confess the word of God. You know, we speak the word. We 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 bind and cast out and loose the spirit of God. And we do all of those things because we recognize that there are spiritual forces that are that we're in in conflict with, that they do exist. And just because you can't see them doesn't mean they can't see you. OK. We do it from our position of authority. All right. Now, that was number three and number four. A minister of deliverance takes authority over natural things with spiritual roots. Everything is not the devil. I didn't say devils didn't exist. The devil stopped my car. Maybe you didn't do the maintenance. I'm not mad. Okay, but I can't. That's what I'm trying to. I'm, I want a church that's spiritual without spooky. Does that make sense? I want people that's really spiritual, but not really spooky. Because spooky people make everything the devil. Okay. And so Jesus, at one point, he rebuked the evil spirit. At another point, he rebuked a fever. He didn't say it was the devil. He said it was a fever. He still had authority over it, but he acknowledged it was just a natural problem. All right. I said, why are you, why, why am I taking, taking that kind of time? Because I see people that... <laughs> And the devil's trying to take my house. Bro, pay the bill. <laughs> I'm not mad at you. Just pay it. And all of a sudden, that devil has left. He has left the building. You get the bill caught up, he gone. Sometimes there's natural things. And it, we just want to, we want to have the right perspective of it all. That's all a pastor is saying. All right. I, I'm using a little humor because whatever is humor, we can remember stuff that's funny. Sometimes I'm giving you some hard medicine and I have to put some humor. That's like that's like the anesthetic that makes it go down easier. All right. But I really want us to be balanced in that. OK. You know, there are. Economic strongholds are very natural things. Now, they have spiritual roots, 
I mean, we think about um, if you live in certain areas, your insurance is higher right when you can't afford to pay it. The people with the money don't have to spend the money. People without got to spend more than they got. And so some of that's very, very natural. But we can still take authority over it with the name of Jesus because Jesus authority is above everything. Right. His authority is I like the way the message Bible reads Ephesians one, that he has authority over galaxies and governments. He's got it all. So I still got the authority over it. I just don't want to call every I just want to make sure that we're not so speaking that we call everything that goes wrong the devil. Okay. See, we all there. Y'all still friends with your pastor? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Number five, a minister of deliverance must keep the main thing, the main thing. You must minister the word of God, for it is the power of God to those who believe. If you're going to be a person who ministers deliverance, you're going to have to have some word in you. That's why um, when when I'm talking to my ministers, listen, ministers, um, you need a text, a teaching, a testimony, and the tangible power of God in every message you have. You need a text. That's the scripture. You need a teaching, something that helps people to understand the truth of the word of God. You need a testimony. Don't tell people to do stuff that you don't know if it works in your own life. Right. You you need a testimony. Here's how I've applied this truth in my own life and got in victory. And if you bring all of those three then the tangible power of God that caused that scripture to work in your life will help it work for other people too. All right. Now that's true, not just for people that are called to be pulpit preachers. That's for you when you're talking to your neighbor. Right? When they say, my son is... Man, got all these issues. Hey, I was praying for my son. This is what I found. The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Hey, this is the scripture. This is what the Lord showed me out of that. If I get righteous, God will look after my children. Okay. And then I got right with God and God came and went and looked after my child. So he'll come look for your child too. Are you right with God? Do you want to be? You give them your testimony with the tangible power. They get saved. Then their children get the same covenant your child got. That, see, you didn't, even need a, you didn't even need a pulpit. You didn't need a stand. You didn't need pastor suit on. You didn't need his big notebook. You didn't need none of that. It was your stuff, your situation, right? Is you walking it out where you are. Okay, so Jesus preached and taught both declaration and explanation are necessary for people to walk in the victory that God has for them. He understood that for people to retain the deliverance that they would that they would have to change their own thinking. So he told them to repent, which means to change your mind. 
right? So part of your staying delivered is to change your thinking. So, so you want, you're going to have to know how to help other people change their thinking. Does that make sense? I'd have to help people keep, get their mind right. Number six, a minister of deliverance sees darkness and brings the light. That's why I said those that sat in darkness have seen a great light. Those that sat in the shadow and region of death, light has sprung up. The light that you have in your own life can bring light to others. Understand that God's intention is that the light that you that the light in you grows until it affects the region in which you live. God wants the light in you to keep growing. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, 1 John, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light. Now, as he is in the light, is not this little light of mine. Because Jesus didn't have a little light. Those that sat in darkness when Jesus came through saw great light. I didn't say you shouldn't let it shine. I'm just saying stop calling it a little light of mine. Because you're supposed to be walking in the light as he is in the light. All right. So that light that's in you should be pushing out any darkness in any area of your life. I talked to the pastor where we went last night and um, it was like, man, we had a lot of ministers, bishops, et cetera, come through here, but nobody did what you did. Nobody really dealt with the issue we was facing the way you, you dealt with it. It was the light that I had that for them was a great light in their situation. And it, it, it shined on, you know, see, when, when it's the, a bunch of bad stuff can be happening when it's dark and nobody know it because it's dark. I wasn't one of these people, but have you ever been in the club and then the lights came on and then all of that stuff was all nasty? <laughs> but when it was dark, nobody really know. Everybody walking up there. But when the light come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's supposed to happen when you enter a room all the dark stuff is supposed to man it's a bunch of stuff you see now when that start happening and people want to stay in the dark then they're they gonna stop wanting to be with you because your light gonna shine on some situations that they would rather not deal with I've had some messages and I had pastors say Nah, man, I can't have you come to my church and preach that, man. I, I'm more comfortable with my dark. But uh, <laughs> they didn't exactly say, they're like, man, you're, you're cause a riot if you came up in here and preached that stuff. I'm like, dude, it's the Bible. I'm not, it's not me. It's the light. But some people don't want, they just rather stay with what they got. Okay? So we want to be challenged to let the light grow in us until the point that it emanates out of us and begins to move things around us. 
when you get to the point where the light in you gets so big, you, you don't even have to open your mouth yet. Your presence starts to move stuff around you. People get uncomfortable with you. Because you're around them. Something wrong. He in the room. And then people get to know your standards. I had a leader about to roll something out that he knew was wrong. And before he did it, he said, David, I know you're going to have a problem with this. And then afterward, all my other leaders got around the water cooler and said, I, man, you was right. You big. <laughs> why ain't you speaking up? When it, it, why am I the only one catching all the arrows? Because I'm the one that's willing to say that's wrong. And then when we leave the room, then you get in the, in the side and tell me I was right. But then when I'm in there, you're leaving me out there looking at your shoe shine. I'm the only one willing to speak up. What's wrong with that? It's like, man, you need to grow a backbone instead of a wishbone. You're supposed to be a light. People should be clear that there's certain standards. Your presence should push away darkness. Number seven, a minister of deliverance is moved with compassion and inspired by the image of delivered people. A minister of deliverance sees people in the problem that they're facing and sees them in a problem that they've gotten free of and is concerned about them. It's moved by compassion, a desire to see other people get better. And then while they're in their situation, sees a picture of them being delivered. And that picture of them being free of the thing that they're right now struggling with inspires that minister to move. Sometimes people hear me talk and then after a service, I'll say, you know, did the word go forth? And they, some people thought I was just um, asking questions because I was looking for you to give me the, the cheerleading. Listen. I have my own cheerleading. By the time I didn't give you the message, I've already cheerleaded myself happy. What I'm listening for is I'm listening to see, did you get what I was ministering? Because sometimes you preach stuff and all the lights are on, but ain't nobody home. Sometimes you wish people had it. And then you look in, and you listen to them and listen and look at their lives afterward. And you know that they didn't get it. So I'm asking a question, but I'm really just trying to probe to see what you got out of it. Man, this really ministered to help me. I'm just listening to see what you grasped. But I have to go in with an image. Now I'm beyond the image of me. I'm looking at an image of you and seeing you already past the problem that you're dealing with. And then I minister to you from that picture that I see. 
So while you're struggling with your health, I'm seeing you already whole. And I'm preaching to that whole you that I see. While you're struggling in your relationships, I'm seeing you happily married. And I'm preaching to the marriage that I see. Because if you can't see it, I have to be able to see it for you. While you're still unconfident or unsure about what God can do in your life, I'm seeing you already grown past that and walking in the ministry and in the victory that Jesus died for you to have. And I'm preaching to that person. Pastor David, sometimes it's like you're preaching over my head. Grow up. I am preaching over your head, but I'm trying to pull you up to the preaching. I'm not going to bring my preaching down to where you live. I got to see an image and call to it. Because if I say it long enough, faith comes by hearing and hearing. And I keep looking for the day where the light goes on on the inside of you. And when that happens, you will never be the same again. He's moved with compassion. I'm going to media team. I'll just go to the Matthew 9, 35 for the sake of time. Write, write this under number seven there. Write um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 through 6, and then verses 17 and 18, just for your notes. That's where we preach as ministers of the Holy Spirit, ministers of the Spirit, and then you become the epistles of God. And then we preach the image of God, and then you see it and become transformed into that image. That's why I have to have a picture of you already past your problems. Because if I didn't, I'd get frustrated with you and start fussing. This is how I keep me from fussing. Pastors who don't have that fuss at the people. Y'all should have had it by now. And see, that don't help nobody. That didn't help the pastor. That don't help the people. So what you have to do is you have to keep calling people up. You call them up. You call them beyond what they're facing. You see something beyond what they're dealing with, and you call them up to it. And then you let people rise to the expectation that you hold above them instead of falling down to what they already got. Jesus moved with compassion. Matthew 9, 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. He was moved with compassion. He had a picture beyond what they were dealing with, 
and he moved, he was moved with compassion where they were to close the gap between where they were to where they could be. Right? That's what you're going to have to have. You're going to help people. You got to feel for them and they problem. You can't get, I'm tired of you always having this issue. Stop that. That's never helped nobody. It didn't help you. It didn't help you when people got tired of you having problems. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to have some compassion for people feeling for them in their situation. And then finally, number eight, a minister of deliverance engages others into their ministry of deliverance through discipleship. Jesus was moved in compassion and he recognized that the need was greater than him. He knew that there were more people needing deliverance than what he could personally touch and minister to. So he engaged others to also get into the game with him in the area of deliverance. So he raised up a people to go with him to help other people get delivered. Right? So you want to get it down in your life so strong that you can train somebody else to minister like you minister and help other people get delivered because they're going to go places that you can't go on your own. Now, you know, this, we're coming, this is Palm Sundays. Sorry you didn't get any palms today. You're going to be all right, I promise. And um, normally... Normally, what we would do on Good Friday is we would have the seven last sayings and we would have a time where we'd have other voices here. Why? Because we're trying to do that thing of getting other people engaged in deliverance. All right. So this time, this time, since pastors got to preach and be a, do one of those seven last sayings on Sunday evening and a praise team is expected to be there and the whole church is expected to go in the fellowship. In this event on Friday night, everybody heard that? Everybody heard that? I'm looking for all y'all. Friday night. And uh, the announcement will play here in a few minutes. What we're going to do this time is for Resurrection Sunday, pastor is not going to preach. I've got some names of some folks, and I'm going to talk to them. Some of my younger our younger ministers who don't preach all the time. And um, they're going to come with a text, a teaching, a testimony, and the tangible power of God. All right? So we're going to hear some other voices. And they're going to tag team. Hit the next one up. All right? Because we want you to hear other voices. Because this is what we're doing. We're helping people and engaging them in the ministry of deliverance. Because it's going to take all of us together to bring the transformation that our region needs. Come on, let's stand. Did you get something out of this?
thing I really want you to grasp hold of is, is that God wants you to be a minister to help people. Not just looking for other people. Listen, listen. Right where you are, even though all your problems are not fixed. If you grasp hold of it, you can help somebody. So many times the devil says, no, I can't help nobody. I'm I need help myself. He lying. He just lying to you. You can help somebody. Somebody need what you know about Jesus. I remember uh, they used to call me as in, in school. They used to call me Rev. Short for Reverend. And um, I had a friend and uh, friend had done some stuff. We were seventh graders. We scared my Bible to school and everything. I was Rev. Joe, they used to call me Rev. I mean, I was just, a, I was a little preaching kid, right? And I was just excited about God. Wasn't, you know, but I was still a kid. Didn't have it all right. Um, but I knew I could help somebody. And so one of my friends, I have a friend named Jackie, and he had gotten, gotten in trouble because he had done some stuff wrong and he was supposed to get disciplined. And um, I said, Jack, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. And God's going to do something in your situation. Now, I didn't know enough Bible to do any of the stuff that I know now. But I knew God. I was saved. And I figured that I could pray for him and God would move. And so I prayed. And God did move. And even though he was supposed to get disciplined, they gave him mercy and favor. And he did not. I'm telling you, right where you are, you can help somebody. If all you can say is, I know Jesus and he can help you. I want to pray for you. And I believe that he will move on your situation because I prayed. And then you tell him your testimony about what he's done in your life. And then pray for them. And feel confident that when you do that, he's going to move for you. Now, see, once you figure that out, the devil's never going to be able to say he, he, God don't work. Because you will have seen him work because you prayed for somebody else. That changes your life. That's the thing that gets you up in the morning. God, what are we going to do today? 